0: welcome to spark careers in agribusiness where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers your host for spark is sarah stever
1: president at paulson well welcome to this episode of spark today we are in fargo north dakota and I'm with the Executive Director of the North Dakota Soybean Growers Association, and Nancy Johnson. Welcome to the podcast, Nancy. And thank you so much for having me. Very good. Why don't we start out by having you talk to us a little bit about what your current role is like and what a good day is like for you. In North Dakota, the Soybean Growers Association focuses completely on
0: policy. We're the membership organization, and so it's sort of get members to help support the policy work. Most of the time, a good day is we are looking at the future of policy either in Bismarck or in Washington, D.C., and we're looking at the future and trying to get ahead as opposed to sweeping up behind. Some
1: days, the sweeping up behind, unfortunately, <laughs> does happen.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, then all of our jobs can be that way for sure. Very good. Thank you for that introduction. Um, let's kind of think back to what your early life was like because a lot of our audience are young ladies and men that are just coming out of high school or coming out of college and starting off their careers. So maybe tell us where you went to school and a little bit of your education and background. I grew up on a corn, soybean, and hog
0: farm in southern Minnesota and went to college at Southwest and Marshall. And at the time, Southwest didn't have any ag um, schooling of any kind, which I thought, well, I'm good doing communications stuff, I'm doing marketing stuff. So the ag stuff, I kind of got a lot of that at the farm, don't need that. And truly everything you learn on the farm gets used sometime in your career. <laughs> you just never know when, you yeah. know. Yeah. So with a marketing and communications degree, at uh, various points I worked in television, strangely enough, the first year as a reporter in television, there was a drought. And it was in um, ag country, and everyone looked around in the station and said, who knows the difference between corn and soybeans? So I became the farm reporter because I could go out and actually talk to the farmers and ask questions about how the drought was affecting them. And after that, I was identified as an ag reporter by um, a magazine who said gee we would like to have some more people that know about agriculture and worked at an ag magazine publishing firm where we did magazines about sugar beets and general agriculture in the red river valley so all of the stuff that i had learned about corn soybeans and hogs was used there And then an advertising agency person in Minneapolis ran into me at a meeting at the University of Minnesota and said, we have this new client and they desperately need somebody who can talk to the right people about agriculture and who can write about it in a way that everybody's going to understand it. And so I said, well, let me see. I'd have to commute from the Valley to Minneapolis. I guess I could do that, you know, weekly, because what you're offering is a pretty interesting thing and... I didn't know that the first six months I was there, they were so far behind because they'd been looking for this ag writer that I literally sat at my desk and created a copy eight hours a day, except for the days when I had to get on the plane and go interview scientists who were really frustrated because we were trying to explain the mode of action of a herbicide. And the herbicide was an introductory herbicide. They wanted to say why it was different than the ones that were already in the market, And the scientist who was kind of the guy who had to sign off, there's always that guy, right? Mm -hmm. That guy said, I don't like anything you've written, it's wrong. Well, many scientists are very precise and very accurate in what they want to say. And for those of us that often are asked to translate scientists into the general public, we really struggle with how do you take that very precise language that has a lot of words or phrases... Or whole paragraphs that mean very little to most people and turn it into something that they will feel like it accurately represents their life's work and yet the general public will understand what they're talking about so i was sent to visit with this scientist and his office was the size of his desk plus two file cabinets and two chairs and clearly this was his world (laughs) and we sat in his office and he's like this is how this works and we had a nice conversation And at the end of the conversation, I said, I have to think about this for a little bit. But I think that you said this. And he looked at me and he goes, I can live with that. And I'm like writing it down really fast because I thought I don't want to forget. And so that was one of the values because having all that background and... Um, I had worked with a lot of different things on the farm. My father was very much into everybody helped on the farm. So we all knew about the operation, even knew a lot about the financial stuff related to the operation. And so the idea of the chemistry wasn't surprising to me. I just always wished that maybe I'd gone someplace and gotten a degree in like maybe chemistry or ag economics or something like that. But really that base of Good marketing and communication skills helped take all that somewhat complex information and turn it into the stuff that somebody needed to use to understand why the product would be different than a current product, understand how to use the product appropriately so that they would be safe, their workers would be safe, their neighbors would be safe. You know, all those skills came from that basic marketing and communication background. So that was a pretty useful thing to have in my bag of tricks. And because I worked in television and radio, later in the agency business when we did videos and all kinds of things, it was very comfortable to produce a video because I was used to the scene at the beginning of uh, the movie network where this person runs frantically down the hall and throws the film up on the film chain and like has a heart attack okay that was that was everyday when we were using real film you were always just ripping the film together and you'd you'd say okay you'd hear them introing the piece as you were running down the <laughs> hall and slapping it on the film chain so the ability to understand how to edit quickly how to tell a story very very concisely in the old days when we didn't have video, when we were really shooting on film, we were only allowed to have 200 feet of audio film at 30, no, at 26 frames a second. That's not a lot of speaking. So you had to sort of have the discussion up front with somebody, kind of figure out, and most of the people we interviewed at a small station were not public personas. So they weren't used to being interviewed and you came in with all these cameras and lights and all this stuff and you shoved a microphone in their face and then you wanted them to sound really coherent. So you had to kind of establish some communication with them up front because you knew you had that three minutes of film that you wanted to get the right, (laughs) the right comment on the film so that you actually could get them on the air. You didn't get to like run the film for an hour or run the video for an hour and say, oh yeah, that 30 seconds is the perfect thing to use. So that ability to distill was a communication skill, but it was useful in everything in marketing. And since then, having worked in, um, in the association business now almost six years, I mean, again, we do videos, we do radio, we do all the, all the communication techniques that we use. All of those things were just really helpful for me to kind of know before I came in the door.
1: Twitter was probably really easy for you because you knew how to get it really condensed down. Well, and see, the the funny
0: thing is I don't use Twitter because I I started looking at it and I thought I could spend countless hours here and I don't have the countless hours. That's the difficulty with not having a staff. You know, you sort of can disappear into things. Even now, I can't, I don't keep Facebook up during the day or anything because it's too easy to think, oh, wait a minute, 30 minutes have gone and I have not done the thing that I needed to do 25 minutes ago because I got involved in, oh, I read this story in the Washington Post and then that led me to the South China Morning Post and then that led me to the Wall Street Journal and all of a sudden, you need to read those things. But meanwhile, maybe something else needed to get done a little sooner. And Twitter yep. feels like it'd be so easy to fall into following the
1: threads. For sure. Yep. Yeah. But it does. it is a good communication tool for being concise. It and is. Definitely.
0: And the people that are really good at it, it's fun to read the things they, that they put up there. Because you just think, they thought about that for a few seconds. They
1: just couldn't spit it out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm You get really good at knowing your abbreviations, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it seems like you were pretty, you mentioned that your folks really made sure you understood the whole operation on the Mm -hmm. farm, like really down to the finances, and so you must have been pretty well supported. Can you maybe talk about when you feel like you were most supported in your career?
0: I have been super fortunate that I have worked in places where the people that hired me were open to the idea that let's create something. You know, in the agency business, it was very much like, we have this new account, what can we do with it? Well, it was a multi-million dollar account, and the traditional stuff, we were switching into some new techniques, we were looking at some better ways to communicate messages, and the whole idea of if you can figure out how to do it, if you have an idea that bring it up, bring it forward. And I really was very supported in in that really pretty fast-paced environment. I mean, it's kind of a crazy world in the agency business, as you well know, but still the idea that if you had any thoughts of how to take this in a different direction, how to, how to work better with the clients, how to do something that would be more impactful for the audience, whoever that audience might be, even how to look at the audience differently than we may have looked Everyone that I worked for was so open to just let 's explore it let 's do it let 's figure out if it 's going to work let 's develop the skills let 's get training if you want to learn how to do this great you know it was a those environments are really amazing when you think about that really cultivating of your any skill that you might have in, and certainly, I worked for people who I think just thought, well, let's try this, maybe she can figure it out, and gave you opportunities too. I mean, those endless opportunities have been marvelous.
1: Yeah. Well, you've been fortunate then to have those, because I I, just from all the people that I've interviewed, not everyone says that.
0: I do think it's unusual, and I think it was a combination of a very visionary person that ran the agency and... Mm -hmm very often hired people because he talked to them, saw them somewhere and then would go back and say there's a spot I would like to hire you to do this. And then hired people that the managers that I worked for were very much like you just you got that list that you dreamt up, you just go out and do it and if you need some support, you holler. Check in once in a while. Just let me know that the budgets haven't like blown up. And, you know, things are kind of under control and go do your job. That was, for me, that was a wonderful environment.
1: Nice. So can you talk about the other side of the coin, which would be maybe a challenge that you have had to overcome or an obstacle?
0: I think the hardest thing that I've overcome is working for someone who did not have that vision that if you gave somebody a set of assignments, they would go out and do it and would be very much like, let's check off on every here. Let's check the 30 versions of this in the yellow folder with the checkoff sheet that's got 60 signatures on it. And it'd be nice to get this out the door sometime. And some of it was an environment where the possibility of lawsuits was very real. Mm -hmm. There were were lots of legal people on staff And so it was very um, having intimate conversations with the attorneys to find out what word don't you like in this sentence that you refuse to approve. That really made moving things forward. And I, I like to see progress. I think even in a not cyclical business like agriculture, and agriculture is so cyclical, you always know that next year at this time, Whatever you thought needed to be done has to be done because you're on to the next thing. So you're in that business, you just think, we have to move a few things forward, and oh, please. So, (laughs) and it's really hard when you're in that very litigious environment for people to give you any real free reign. I mean, it just, no one can just randomly sign off on stuff.
1: Yeah, too much.
0: Fear and paranoia. Mm -hmm. Really? Yes, and when you have a whole floor of attorneys, yeah, (laughs) can't imagine. (laughs) You, you have lots of people that are well, and they're worrying about important things like protecting your trademark internationally. I mean, there's just
1: legitimate stuff. Everybody,
0: but it's really the progress is really, really difficult to measure. Some
1: days. So, can you talk maybe um, if you've ever been a mentor in your career, or have been mentored by someone who was pretty meaningful in your life? I've had
0: really excellent mentors, mostly of the kind that's, I don't know if it was a very, in in their mind, it may not have been a very formal circumstance, but mostly of the, okay, there's three ways we can approach this. If you approach it this way, which which might be your favorite way because you want to get something done, perhaps that will get you in trouble. And then there's this way, which perhaps nothing will ever get done. But if you thought about this way, and with those kinds of discussions and um, really being able to get somebody involved in in um, processes and in programs that could stand back and just say, hmm, why isn't this working for us? And let's figure out a way that works within what either the customer or the client needs, within what the company needs, within what you're going to be able to fulfill the best way for the company that was That is a very wonderful set of circumstances to have people like that that you can actually go to and really, really think, oh, yeah, they're thinking about this from a different point of view. They're bringing a different set of experiences to the table. At one point in the agency business, I had a lot of interns. And the, the whole intern process is mm-hmm. an interesting because you're trying to still... This is what we do in the agency business, and no, you didn't really understand any of this from college, right? But here's what we do. Here are the things we need to move forward on. Um, where are the places that we can, again, have you do something meaningful, not just file papers or something, but have get involved in a meaningful way, and then not be allowed to crash and burn because no one can crash and burn. The agency has to have the... We have to figure it out before you crash and burn because the client doesn't need you crashing and burning. And so the ability to let people do things but not let them crash and burn, that would be terrible. So I had a lot of interns, and I think many of them have stayed in the agency business. A couple are people that are, one of them is the president of an agency today. So, oh, nice. Yes.
1: That feels good, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> You could have completely derailed their career, but you didn't. You I tried not right to. Direction. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about uh, your best advice for someone just kind of getting started in their career.
0: I always told the interns that the really that were just coming out of college. A lot of them were people that we had met at like NAMA competitions and you could really pick up people that were great presenters or really able to do great in the questioning and you'd think, oh, these are people that can think on their feet, that know the material, you know, are are they interested in going down the agency path? But I would often say this business may be better served for you if you have a little broader experience go and work at a magazine for a year, go and work at a radio station, go someplace where the people that you're going to be working with, because many of these people were in the public relations area, the people that you're going to be working with, get a sense of what they do, get a sense of what they're looking for. That gives you more validity when you're working with them. Mm -hmm. And I found that my experience having worked at Uh, television, having worked at a radio station, having worked, I worked in magazines and newspapers, that made it much easier for me to help craft things that would get used by the media or would be easier to work with the media when you were doing media relations because even today when I get calls about international trade and the issues from all the media that talk to us about what's going on with soybeans, I try to... Explain to them that I understand what they're looking for and here's how I can help them. That I've worked in the media, that I have some B roll. Would you like to see the B roll so you don't have to be frantic about getting here and shooting something? And they look at the B roll and they're like, Oh, it's really good. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. It's broadcast quality (laughs) and we know what we're doing. But the ability to help them craft a story so that give them the right background package, give them the right kinds of interviews so that they're not struggling with um, maybe people that aren't as well informed because they have no reason to be, that they're working with uh, people that are the most well informed, the best possible sources that they can be. That has helped through my entire career being able to really relate to the people in the media.
1: So you had a broad array of experiences but you found everything ended up coming back and helping you with your next role. Exactly. Really good foundations to keep building on. So don't be afraid to try, explore maybe a little bit of a tangent in your career instead of being too laser-focused, maybe?
0: Yeah, I I didn't find that that I would say, oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I would think, this is really interesting, I'm learning a lot of stuff, but now I feel like, oh, maybe there's more that I could build on. And I would go to, you know, for instance, go into the agency business, Some people may have gotten a lot of that experience now through things they do in college, but Mm -hmm. the more experience, the easier it is really to be able to feel uh, self confident, Mm -hmm. to represent yourself well in what you do, because you have, you're not, you know, I mean, yes, everybody has to fake it till they make it sometimes, but you're not having to do that much if you've got that broader base of experience.
1: Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. You're good. So any questions that I maybe could have asked you that I haven't yet or a question you wish anyone would ask you because you've got a wonderful answer and no one ever asked you that question? I I thought about that when
0: I saw that on your list of questions. And usually I do have something, but you've
1: covered all the things that I would normally dig into. Okay, very good. Well, Nancy, can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. I love the conversation. I think that's some great advice about just being a little bit more open to experiences that might not be, you know, too close to where you think you're going to end up. And that can and grow from that. And thank you for uh, asking me to do this. Absolutely. Well, thanks and tune in next time everyone to Spark. Thank you. That's Spark for today.
0: Thanks for listening and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P A U L S E N dot A-G.